everybody, sorry I'm late. Mrs. Robinson was trying to seduce me. You're listening to This Film Has Not Yet Created, the podcast where we make our own versions of movie sequels that never got made. I'm your host, Christopher Rivas, and with me as always is my co-host, Mr. Steve Grande. Hi, sorry I'm late, but uh, I just gave away all these golden tickets to come into my chocolate factory. <laughs> okay. Things are going to be a little different than how they were in the 70s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this week, our guest is a, uh, a very talented actor, writer, a singer, ragamuffin. Uh, she wrote the stage play Johnny Depp Retrospective on Late Stage Capitalism. And she's also got a podcast of her own called Depp Impact. Please welcome all the way from Philadelphia, Miss Jenna Kersey. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry that I'm late, but I was just like coughing and coughing and coughing. And I, I it truly died from consumption. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm late. <laughs> uh, Jenna, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very, uh, I'm thrilled and scared to cold read these scripts. <laughs> it should be a blast. Um, <laughs> Uh, so just a little bit of background on uh, Jenna. You are an old friend of Steve's, which is how you know about the show and how you were able to come on. And I understand that you have your own show and Steve was able to be a guest star on there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, which was an absolute joy. We giggled about this heartwarming, heartwarming uh, fairy tale together. I host a podcast called Depp Impact otherwise known as I'm watching all of Johnny Depp's movies and I do not know what to do with that information. Um, so I started when I wrote Johnny Depp, a retrospective on late stage capitalism with my friend Val Dunn. I play Johnny Depp in that show. Um, it's like a solo ish show. And I started watching all of his filmography just to do it, like to inform that piece. And then when COVID shut down, I pivoted and I took all of the useless information that I was learning from watching <laughs> his filmography and put it into a podcast. And I've been inviting some of my bestest and most favorite friends onto the podcast. And Steve Grande falls into that category of bestest and favorite friends. Um, and he picked Finding Neverland, which is what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. Um, and we just had a blast kind of um, dissecting and, and revisiting this this film. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, uh, I was going to ask you why you chose Finding Neverland, but it sounds like Steve picked uh, it. Yeah, yes. I, well, because we were talking about doing a movie <laughs> that uh, that uh, I didn't know already had two movies before it. Um, <laughs> so we pivoted. And uh, and at one point I was like, "Ooh, do you have Tusk? Tusk is a weird movie." And then you were like, "No, nah, I already I already got Tusk covered." Yeah. Um. So then you told me Finding Neverland was available, and I'm like, "Okay, well, we did Super Mario Brothers, which was a stupid fun movie. <laughs> then mm -hmm. we did Total Recall, which is a stupid awesome." like good movie action movie yeah and then we did there will be blood which is super <laughs> serious so like when i said when you said finding neverland i was like okay this podcast needs a palate cleanser from all of <laughs> yeah. that goofy and slash serious action like we need yeah definitely though, a different pivot this this movie was a little goofy at times and oh yeah uh, was was overdone and like like <laughs> Like her coughing, her coughing yeah. was, was terrible. Oh, I, I had never seen this movie until watching it for this, for this. Project. Oh boy. What a treat. <laughs> and 
I was laughing throughout it, but for all of the wrong reasons. Yeah. And <laughs> my was... boyfriend down he's watching the the Snyder cut right now. And oh, nice. uh, we we'll were talking see him about in, in twenty twenty six. Oh yeah, exactly. He's been watching it since yesterday. Um but straight through. But I was talking about how I was doing this podcast tonight and he was just like, Finding Neverland. Yeah, that's not on my list of things to watch anytime yeah. soon. Um, yeah. But I guess I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> like, yeah, man, you will. <laughs> I mean, this was a movie that I think I... Uh, when, when did this come out? 2002? 2004. Yeah. 2004. Okay, One year so- after Pirates of the Caribbean. So. Yeah. That pirate scene is even more interesting, knowing that you were <laughs> right. Played Jack yeah. Sparrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would have been the perfect age for this movie to not appeal to me in any way. Uh, <laughs> I saw it in theaters because I was in the perfect age for this movie to appeal to me. Uh, it's too sentimental and obsessed with Johnny Depp because Pirates had just come out. So like, yeah. just a little fourteen-year-old going into the theater and seeing some heartwarming shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I did have one bone to pick with it. Well, amongst oh, others. Oh, one? But, Great. <laughs> um, the, the the character that Johnny Depp plays, uh, when you Google him, he has a mustache. I know. And Johnny Depp famously has a mustache in several roles. I know. Why didn't he have a mustache in this movie? <laughs> it is a weird choice. It's like, I would have liked walrus mustache, J.M. Barry over clean-faced J.M. Barry, but who the fuck am I, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Just some some jerk from Philadelphia. Just some asshole who's watching all of his movies. Do you think that the reason why they didn't have the mustache is because of all the rumors in the Yeah, he wanted wanted to showcase his range of of, facial No, no, of being being around someone else's kids. Like, my script kind of touches on it a little bit. But, like, if you add the mustache, like... It's too much. Yeah, yeah. His mustache would oh. hold too many secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what you guys talked about on Depp Impact, but I can probably just through my conversations with Steve assume that I have a very um, different take on this movie. I did not care for this movie <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it like fills the perfect like uh, old timey, British folks based on a true story, Oscar bait <laughs> yeah. crap. That is just like, ugh, give me a, I don't care about any of these people. I don't identify with any of them. The, they're all just like rich white people in England uh, <laughs> who are worried about their own, you know, personal affairs. And, and the homeboy is like, Oh, I'm a struggling writer, but he's wealthy enough that he doesn't have to work a day. Oh in yeah, his life ever, and, and has like just... five servants. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. his servants yeah. cut out his bad reviews so he doesn't have to read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I... though, of course, that set up him seeing Kate Winslet for the first time, and that was you know worth it. But like, still, I got a, I got a bone to pick with artists that can't own up to their. You oh know, yeah. God, their I love bad reviews. reviews. I'm obsessed with bad oh. reviews. Oh yeah, just. 
yeah, all of the characters, all of the storyline, the plot. I just I didn't care. I didn't like any of any <laughs> of the people or what they were going through. Uh, this movie just was a miss for me on all accounts. <laughs> see, see, Chris, I think that you got you got real, and I see how you could get real hung up on these aspects of like, oh, these fancy British people are walking down the street with their top hat and cane, <laughs> and everything is just sublime in this really sunny part of London. When um, it's funny you, know, you bring that up, and you'll see you later. <laughs> good, good. Uh, well, I just it just stuck out to me in that scene of like them, like that. That's what they did for three minutes just walk down the street in their mm-hmm. fancy clothes um yeah but like for us and we talked about this on depth impact like you know having uh, theater backgrounds and experiences and like i remember what it was like in my local theater when i went to uh it's this place called uh the ritz in New Jersey and they Putting do the they do a Christmas carol every year but the guy who was running it was dressing up like an animal like and everybody else in the cast was animals so it was like kid friendly and I remember going on stage and like when they showed that scene of those kids in the theater like it connected with me okay to where I was like okay even though there's all these like flaws in the movie and stupid shit that adult me is cynical about like it it, it registered with that love for theater and you know being a year removed from doing a live show yeah more powerful it definitely we like talked about how it just like it hit us in all the feels because we're revisiting this like kind of schlocky stupid movie at a time where like we're very vulnerable and Mm -hmm. missing live theater and the and the power of live performance so much and especially since like my show started in a living room. Like Johnny Depp started yeah. in a living room. And in this movie, they perform in a living room. <laughs> and like, it's just true. having I, that. You know what? That's fair. Yeah. And like sense of That's community, fair. I guess. I mean, it's still the same fucking rich white people story. Like who cares? But <laughs> that sense of community that's in this movie is like really is really touching and, and I'm very vulnerable right now. <laughs> Jetta, Jetta, we just achieved something that we haven't gotten in, in, in 40 some podcasts. We changed Chris Rivas's mind. Oh, you didn't, you didn't. We didn't, didn't change his mind at all, but um, he did say, okay. I said, okay. Yeah. What, um, that's a win to me. Yeah, right. that's good. You know what? This, this movie did win me back at the end. Uh, anytime you've got a shaggy dog situation, a shaggy DA, where it's just a, mm-hmm. a, a man in a dog costume. <laughs> just doing <laughs> I'm, I'm man and dog costume stuff. Yeah, I'm on board. And this, uh, it didn't occur to me until just now. And so I, um, I left that out of my piece. And for that, listeners, I am sorry that there is not a shaggy DA <sighs> situation in my piece. Um, but what I will say is that my piece leans very heavily on... Um, <laughs> rolling my eyes. It's very sarc. I just, uh, I was tempted to call it um, something like old old British people stand on stairs, the movie or something. Um, <laughs> old British people, old British people stare off into the middle distance. Yeah, old British um, people challenged by children. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I definitely pooped my piece out and like didn't think about any of that. I just decided to go the existential route. Oh. I I also uh I so I went with like a more realistic in quotes title um because I was thinking like okay, you've got Neverland. What's what comes after Neverland? 
what comes after Disneyland, Disney World. So we're going to be finding Neverworld. <laughs> okay. Great. So uh, if you guys want to pull up Finding Neverworld, we'll just jump in and read through it real quick. Great. Uh, I've got the uh, the cast breakdown here. Um, so Jenna, you're going to be reading the roles of Kira, Natalie, Producer, and Judy. Steve, you'll be reading the roles of Peter, Maggie, uh, and I think that's it. Um, you can read Child. You know what? Read Child okay. as well. Um, and then I will be reading the role of Old Man and all of the stage directions. Okay. Right. Um, oh, actually, no, you can't read Child. Okay. That's <laughs> fine. Just kidding. I'll read the role of Child. Everyone's favorite role. <laughs> child uh, <laughs> uh more okay. of a townsperson number three kind of guy. <laughs> yeah is there a left uh, shrub i don't yeah uh, man in dog costume where's that uh <laughs> so this is finding neverworld fade in interior theater lobby night an empty theater lobby the muffled sounds of actors reciting lines can just be heard the camera flies through two large doors. The doors swing open as the camera approaches, revealing the interior of the auditorium. The auditorium features deep red velvet chairs and yellowish walls with gold leaf and trim. On stage, we see a large canvas drop painted to look like a bookcase and a lone maroon wingback leather chair. There are no people in the house or on stage. The camera flies over the seats, across the stage, and to the drop. As the camera approaches the drop, it is pulled open in the middle to reveal a black void. Interior, bedroom, night. We hear a click and see a lamp turn on. The lamp is beside a bed, and in the bed is Peter Davies, the little boy from the first movie, all grown up. He reaches to the table and grabs a pen and paper, and he uh, begins to write feverishly. We see movement next to Peter as Kira, Kira Knightley, stirs and wakes. Her jaw and lower teeth are on full display. Peter, please, I'm an unfulfilled housewife living in old-timey England. Can't you do that in the morning, or at least in the other room? Sorry, love. Didn't mean to wake you. I, but I also don't want to lose this. You're going to lose me if you keep this up. I'm glad to hear I haven't already. Kira grins and bites her lip. She cuddles into Peter, who merely looks at her. Kira, you know us hoity British people don't have intercourse or overtly show affection. But no one has to know. I'll know. Yes, dear. Kira rolls over and pulls the blankets up. <laughs> Fade out. Interior, sitting room, day. We hear the noise of spoons clanking on teacups and see a spoon stirring tea. We see Maggie Smith was the one stirring the tea. Kira sits near her, holding a cup of tea uh, and staring at the carpet. They sit in a small sitting area on a sofa. I just don't know what to do. Discipline! He's so distant, <laughs> like he's always off on some grand adventure. Discipline! What of our children? Isn't he going to pay them any attention? I swear I'm losing him. She turns to Maggie. Look. I know you're only here because I need another woman to talk to about this man and that you're a stuffy, older British lady whose sole purpose is to be the voice of society at 
the time and that you must convey discipline at all times, but I'm really glad to have you. Kira reaches over and grabs Maggie's hand, squeezing it. Maggie squeezes back. Discipline. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to exterior park day. A clean park with several white people wearing suits. A boy wearing a suit plays fetch with a dog. The boy's dog is a Jack Russell wearing a sweater. The grass, trees, bushes, etc. are all too green, like uniformly green to the point where they look unrealistic. Uh, (laughs) Old man and his wife, old lady, are walking down a concrete footpath. Old man wears a black suit and top hat along with a monocle and a cane. Old lady wears a dress that has one of those big butt things, <laughs> long gloves, and she carries a parasol and has a monocle. Peter runs through the grass, pulling a kite and laughing. <laughs> I'm enjoying life. I am an adult, but I act like a child and I feel free to have fun. Peter continues to yell as he passes by old man and old lady. An adult acting like a child? My word! Both old man and old lady show a startled and surprised expression as each of their monocles fall out of their eyes. Peter continues to run around, eventually stopping before a woman who Steve will swear is not Kira Knightley, but I don't believe him. So we'll just call it a middle ground and say it's Natalie Portman. There's something about you. I'd say you're beautiful. But I'm not allowed to express myself in that way publicly or privately because of the society we live in, old-timey Britain. I know what you mean. I want to have an affair with you, but only on a level of good friends and as a means for you to spend time with my children since their father passed and they need a father figure but will never have intercourse. I see. Can I have a mustache? It would be expected. Pleasant. Quite. Twelve children, all wearing suits and aged seven to eleven, emerge from behind Natalie and stand in a row flanking her. Quite. (laughs) Fade to interior theater auditorium day. Peter sits in the auditorium talking to producer as actors rehearse on stage and crew move flats and other objects back and forth in the background. You're a struggling playwright in need of a life lesson and I'm a producer in need of a hit! (laughs) I know. Please, Mr. Mushnick. Oh, sorry, I dropped my accent. (laughs) 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 Sorry, it says Mooshnik, and I just went, you know, Brooklyn. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'll take it back. Uh, I know. Please, Mr. Mooshnik, I I just want want more time to get my affairs in order. Kira enters, interrupting Peter and producer. I still love you, but I'm I'm leaving you for someone who isn't an artist, so my emotional needs can be met. Very good. As Kira exits, Peter notices a tugging at his sleeve. He looks down to see Natalie's 12 children. Our mother passed of some mysterious illness, and she refused treatment, (laughs) even though the means to help her exist and could have saved her life. Now you're our father. A hand rests on Child's shoulder, and we see that it belongs to an older British lady. Maybe Judy Dench. She closes her eyes and nods as she says, Discipline. Peter turns to producer. 
Looks like my affairs are in order and I've got your hit play based on daydreaming with children that aren't mine and a woman that I think I loved, but we never had intercourse or showed any affection before because we're old-timey British in suits. And also, she may have been my wife, but I'm not sure. (laughs) She did a lot of standing on stairs and talking down, walking upstairs and dramatically turning around to talk and standing at the top of stairs and holding the rail to overlook and talk to people on the lower level. Also... Children having a having pillow fights and jumping out of windows. I see. And what's the name of your play? The Pillow Man. Blackout. <laughs> a true American classic. This, this episode is for all the theater nerds. That's a good one. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the the old lady with the butt thing. Oh <laughs> man, yeah, butt thing. just didn't a butt even, thing. Didn't even bother to Google it because <laughs> now, like, for me, I'm like, well, of course, butt thing applies, but like, I want to know the real term of it. It's and now butt, we'll never know. It's a bustle. A butt. It's a bust. A bustle. A butt bust. A butt. A bustle. Yeah. A bustle. <laughs> Didn't costuming teach you anything, Steve? We do have a nice state college degree. That's true. Yeah, but they did. They never once had a butt thing. I've never, I never, (laughs) in all four years, never saw one person wear a butt thing. Oh, see, I was in butt thing plays that had butt things. I probably knew they were called bustles. I just didn't care. Butt things way better. <laughs> butt stuff sixty nine. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Just by- <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you set the whole picture <laughs> with, with old man and his wife, old lady. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and Dame Judy Dench. Uh, stripped of yeah, her dameness. <laughs> that was uh, what one thing too that um, <laughs> I was watching it with Steve. And this woman is like, oh, I'm leaving you. And I'm like, haven't they been together this entire movie? And he's like, no, the, the woman that played his wife and the woman that played the mom of the kids were two different people. And I didn't believe him. You know? That is, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> they were the same person. The, the joke of, oh, wait, is that Charlize Theron? No, it's not. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> oh, but yeah, she was. <laughs> she, yeah, I, uh, I loved, I loved the, um, the sexual inadequacies and the not being able to, <laughs> to show any affection. Like, yeah, he for for a romantic comedy, nobody kisses. Yeah, nobody kisses. It's stuffy and British. Um, you can't even hold a hand. Ugh, yeah. I mean, like my American brain, I remember with writing in my notes halfway through the movie, I just typed, when are they going to bang? Question mark. <laughs> you just hold yeah. up your hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can't see, Jenna did the, the <laughs> stick, stick your finger thing. through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're talking about sex. <laughs> I, no I, sex, I please. Re- We're British. Remember that? Well, that's the thing, too, is I had written so much. I had written the word sex sex in this play and then thought British people wouldn't say sex. So I had to change it every time to intercourse. 
the hanky panky. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Thanks for, for dealing with my uh, <laughs> sarcastic yeah. eye rolly. Yeah. Like, to I, me, this is that, that encompasses every movie of this type ever made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shakespeare in love. What are yeah. the other ones? Same movie, different place. <laughs> Chris will not be at the midnight premiere of whatever next Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen movie comes out. Yeah. <laughs> the Crown is not fit. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, my favorite. Some of those movies, too, like, I get that they're classic stories and you want to put your own mark on it. But at, at a certain point, it's like, how many different takes can you have? Like, there have been, like, uh, 20 Little Women movies or something <laughs> ridiculous. Like, haven't we explored all the ways to tell little women i don't know it's just it doesn't make sense to me i don't i don't know yeah there's only nine of them you know you can can only tell it from one of their point of views so many times yeah so so when you're done with the ninth movie it's over at one point do they grow up and become big women you know like well that's the sequel we'll have you on and do big women big women Grown women, yeah. Um, well, I for my for my script, I want to uh, I want to try to veer away from people, uh, okay? Because I want to see this movie. Because we just saw the perspective of how people see this British right. society. Um, I would like for uh, for us to explore that park scene a little bit more and see what the dogs are thinking about oh. that are hanging out in the park. So this is this this is called Dog Park. Uh, Jenna, you will be playing the role of Middleton. Okay. Uh, Chris, you will be Marlowe, mm-hmm. and I will be Decker. Okay. And uh, for this, my only direction for it is please give me your most exaggerated British accent, uh, <laughs> whatever you think that is. Okay. Um, Great. Yeah, and just go for it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, Jenna, you're playing a character that will be revealed later. Secret character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I'll do I'll do the stage directions. I wrote secret character in the script. Um, I can't wait. Um, Just a secret character. Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. They're secret. Yeah. So uh, this this first scene takes place. This takes place throughout the movie, but it's it's kind of like Lion King one and a half kind of shit, where uh, you know. It's it's a the uh, it's a, like in between the the real movie, um, yeah. So that and uh, with this like um, uh, shit. Sorry, I just blanked for a second. Let's just get into it. Let's okay. just let's just go right. into it. We'll do uh, yeah. Just do your biggest boldest British accents. Here we go. All right, great. All right. So here is Dog Park. Exterior Park Day. Fade in on a park. We see people having picnics, playing soccer, and playing with their pets. We see three dogs on the side watching the whole park scene. The dogs are Middleton, a golden Labrador retriever, Marlowe, a terrier, and Decker, an English bulldog. We pick up with them mid-conversation. So I says to him, I says, (laughs) well, I suppose it's the leash I can do. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Decker, you bad dog, always humping your master's leg. He's got it real rough. Oh, 
I bet he was quite furious with you. All three dogs take notice of J.M. Barry and his dog, Parthos, arriving to the park. They begin to play catch as the other dogs watch. Well, would you look at that, Middleton? There's that pompous canine I was telling you about from the previous week. Oh, look at me and my fancy master. We don't throw a ball like you commoners because we attach dogs to a fishing hook. Ooh. Him? I know him, Marlo. That's Porthos. We actually dated for a bit. He's quite all right, but it just wasn't working for me. What? You dated a hot dog that has his own serving staff and you turn that down? That's positively insane! Oh, don't get your books in a twist. He was too clingy. He would want to be together all the time and wouldn't stop collying me. <laughs> well, that surprises me. Never pegged you for a scruff and buff kind of gal. I like big mutts and I cannot lie. <laughs> Well, it could be worse. At least you didn't get a cat. (sighs) Bloody cats. Infuriating buggers. There's no personality. Blimey little... (laughs) Wait, what's going on over there? I don't know. He's gathered that family and looks like he's going to show them something. He's walking over to Parthos and he's... Oh, my God! They're dancing? My word, this is so embarrassing for me. You aren't supposed to dance with a dog. Not only is that bad for Pothos' joints, it's equally embarrassing for both the dog and the human. Could be worse, though. Why? He could have been dancing with a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Exterior, park, day. Faded on the three dogs at the park a few weeks later. They're watching Barry, Pothos, Sylvia, and the kids playing. Cut to them in mid-conversation. So I says to him, I says... I don't buy that you ran 10 kilometers for a ball. That seems very far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you think they're playing this time? I don't know. Some kind of conquest scenario. Looks more like a savage war to me. Yeah, that one was just trying to be nice and offer him an ear of corn before the older one pretended to cut off his head and throw it in the river. Why... Why do they always have to be so violent? Why can't they be fishermen trying to catch a whale? Or prospectors digging for gold in Western America? Yeah, why does he always guide them towards pillaging and murder? Setting a bad impression for those kids. I mean, how can he do that to them? But they look like they're having fun. It looks like they're bloody enjoying it. I, for one, think it's wrong that they teach their children to be violent monsters. Fruid. Dogs can't can't pronounce things. Fruid believes that human nature contains powerful, uncontrollable, innate drives and repressed memories. The only way that these can happen is by nurture because of some of the innate drives have been brought up through one's upbringing. Case in point, this behavior is indicative of aggressive traits that lead to repeat offenders, violators, and abusers when they've matured into adults. 
But at the same time, these are just children with no context for the long-term effects of violent experiences. I'm sure all these adults played the same games when they were children, and we don't see them running around cutting or murdering people. Maybe they ju- there just needs to be a mix of both. Finding an alternative to war games can be beneficial. It'll show children how to imagine excitement that doesn't involve death. But it also it, uh, it would also be foolish to completely shield them from violence. It's a rough place out there, and you'd have to be a naff pillock to be so naive <laughs> that these horrors don't exist in their world. All I'm saying is maybe they should tone it down a bit and just focus on how the park is the brightest place in all of London. What's so wrong with flying kites again? You know what I mean? Do you think there's anything we can do to help them? Christ, no. We're just a bunch of dogs after all. (laughs) 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 Fade to black. Uh, Exterior park day. Fade in on the three dogs at the park a few weeks later. They look on as we see Barry and Peter sit down on the bench. Cut to them mid-conversation. So I says to him, I says, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's okay if it's raining cats and dogs, just as long as it's not, sorry, just as long as it doesn't rain deer. <laughs> The other dogs don't respond. They just quietly <laughs> stare towards the bench. I thought that was my best joke, but I guess not. It's not that. Your jokes are always hilarious and delivered perfectly. (laughs) There's something going on over there. Yeah, I can sense that something really bad happened. I don't see the lady with them anymore. Ah, bloody hell. I thought that smell on her was bad. I guess that was the sickness. They look so sad. Shall we go over there to cheer them up? No, wait, look. He's comforting him with a hug. This seems to be an intimate moment, so we should probably just let them be. You know, lots of people in the park talk about how much of a weirdo this guy is because he always wants to (laughs) hang out with kids that aren't his own. There's so much of a stigma in the world about unconventional people involved with other people's children that we all should be suspicious of them just in case they're blimey predators. Having seen this man play with these children to help them take their minds off the fact that their mother is dying and I think it's bloody beautiful. He was just trying to help them because he truly cared about them. I don't think he's a weirdo. If anything, I think he's one of the best. Oh my fucking God! They just vanished into thin air! What did we just bloody see? This is too much for my tiny dog brain to comprehend. He's not a weirdo, he's a goddamn witch. Do all humans possess this power? Could they make us disappear? Yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Let's leave this park forever and never come back. All three dogs run off to the edge of the park as we see a more wide shot of them running away. We begin to pan up by a, a close-by tree. Uh, we see Pothos standing on a branch high up in the tree. Uh, we begin to see him become encased in pixie dust. The dust clears, and we see that he is transformed into another animal. <laughs> Not only is it a cat, it's the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> the cat looks straight to camera, shakes its head, and says, Fucking canines. Fade to black, the end. Yay. Beautiful. 
<laughs> oh my god. You could really yeah. feel their differences and like their strengths, you know? Mm-hmm. As characters. I yeah. like I like these three dogs. Uh <laughs> I says to him, I says. <laughs> 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 Always starting off with a joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I wanted to see their their interpretation of seeing all of this play out. Yeah, so like, good. Like no filler of, of like context of what happened in between. Um, Don't understand English. Yeah, like it's. Yeah. <laughs> Is that oh. really how many times they go to the park? Uh, no, they go more than that. Oh, okay, but like I they just live think, at that fucking park. That <laughs> fake ass park, yeah. dude. I just picked a beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. Um, <laughs> so good, good story structure, you know the way I that stories it, yeah. work. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, just um, oh, I, what I meant to say earlier that I forgot about was uh, the the dogs aren't talking with their mouths. And this doesn't matter, but like the dogs aren't talking with their mouths. It's more of like a homeward bound kind of yeah. thing where you uh, just hear the audio. Sure. Mm-hmm. So one of yeah, them's uh, voiced by Sally Field. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, actually the whole gang, the whole gang's back together. <laughs> yeah. Homeward Fox and, uh, and the other guy. And other guy. One. The yeah. other one, yeah. Yeah, I, I, but I also... <laughs> Maybe we'll add it in the beginning, but uh, sorry for all the loud dog barking noises. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that trigger just probably warning. played in your ears. <laughs> it was good. You had some Simpsons references in there. I just, mm-hmm. of course, <laughs> uh, always oh. do. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, silly. Just, I kind of want to watch this movie now instead of. I wish this is what it had been instead of what it, what we got. How dare you? <laughs> this is very Muppets. Yeah, Muppets, very Muppets. Muppets, Muppets take um, wherever the fuck this movie takes place. Old, yeah. old-timey London with people in suits standing yeah. upstairs. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pivot this podcast to what's your sequel that involves dogs in it, uh-huh. <laughs> or some kind of animal. Well, yeah, and one of the dogs at least is a man in a suit. Yes. Um. It's the only way. We're going to bring some magic back to filmmaking if it kills us. It's just their adventures. Like they're out there rappelling down the sides of buildings, and <laughs> skydiving. And you know what it is? They're they, skateboarding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're robbers. They're like, like in heat or, or um, actually they're, they're extreme robbers, like, like point break. But for for their little breaks for their time off, they come to the dog park just to blow off some steam. Yeah. What what just ran through my mind is the scene in Dark Knight Rises where he takes the hood off of Bane, (laughs) but standing there is a is a Dalmatian wearing a Bane mask. Oh, are a Doberman in one of those scary muzzles? You know, Yeah. yeah. All right, somebody, listeners, if somebody's good with Photoshop, because <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that is, yeah, I would love to see that. That's, <laughs> oh. that's yeah. Jenna. Oh, yeah. 
Take us home, baby. Bring us, bring yeah. us through. Bring us maybe my day, my day, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so this, I literally, I just pooped out. <laughs> it was <laughs> massive brain dump uh, before we started recording. Um, so Steve kind of touched on the existential nature of them literally disappearing. So the last <laughs> yeah. shot of this yeah. movie is. The J.M. Barry and Peter Llewellyn Davis, a.k.a. Peter mm-hmm. Pan, but don't let him hear you say it. Um, and they're sitting on a bench and they hug. And um, <laughs> this has come and become a, an Internet thing. And so this is the origins of the Internet thing. Um, maybe I hope this makes sense, this whole script. But this is what happens after they vanish. So, okay. Um, oh, they've okay. Yes. They vanished. Yes. <laughs> so this is very um, existential. <laughs> a very serious piece. So I'll read the stage directions. I'll also play Pita. Um, Steve, you are going to play a bench. Great. Yes. <laughs> it's a sentient bench. Um, and Chris, <laughs> you will be JMB or JM Barry mm-hmm. um, and not stage directions. I would do stage directions. Okay. Uh, yeah. Although, actually, you know what, Chris? If you could do stage directions, I think that That's might be fine. more delightful. That's fine. Great. No problem. Cool. So this is uh, Where Did You Go, JMB by J.R. Kersey. <laughs> <laughs> Lights up on two people, a man and a boy sitting on a park bench. You can visit. How do you do a Scottish accent? You can visit Neverland. Oh. <laughs> you can visit Neverland anytime you like. How? By believing. Just believe. The two hug. The embrace lingers and feels like a comfort. Then suddenly, they are gone. The two people have disappeared. They are gone. <laughs> like, gone, gone. All we see is an empty bench. They've disappeared into thin air. But where did they go? (laughs) They land into a nothingness. The bench sits alone in the middle of an all-black world. It smells like pee and isn't particularly scenic. (laughs) Most nothingness isn't known for its scenic properties. But there is a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) Party? (laughs) Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Uh, I bet you're wondering how we got here. Well, let me tell you about here. We're in here. Here is where we are. (laughs) Another day, another life, another disappearing act. It's hard being a bench. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think with a lifetime of getting sat on, collecting elderly farts and pigeon vomit, uh, pigeon vomit, that I'd get my act together. But see, I'm not your everyday run of the mill park bench. I'm a cool bench. I'm a transporter bench. Hug on me and you'll find yourself in a different world. Unfortunately, that world is here. And here is nowhere. Well, actually, nowhere is a lovely tropical oasis. (laughs) Here is just here. Sir J.M. and Peter appear on bench. Same position, tender embrace. Where, where are we? I'm not so certain. It's funny how life, noticing the two new figures in nothingness, what actual the fuck it is. Is that people? 
people? I've never transported people. Turns to JMB and PLD. Hey, hey, oh my God, hi. What the fuck is that? I think it's a sentimental bench. (laughs) I know I've famed writer of such classic weird shit as Peter Pan, but this is weird even for me. It's not a crocodile or racial references that have aged like whole milk. Color me uninterested. (laughs) Bench doesn't move because it's Bench. But JMB and Peter approach Bench. Are you... Are you a... Bench? I'm not just any Bench. I'm the Bench y'all shared your moment with. I'm the Bench. Nice to meet you. Sorry, I don't talk a lot. The last thing that was transported here was a squirrel, and uh, boy, howdy, are they not so friendly to chat with. Well, I mean, they chatter, but it's squirrel, and I don't speak squirrel. I speak English and bench. (laughs) (laughs) We pan to a squirrel being a squirrel. The only other thing in here is this dumb squirrel doing dumb squirrel things. Well, Binch, was it? Bench nods. Ah, yes, Binch. (laughs) My name is Sir J.M.B. I wrote Peter Pan, the story adults will turn to when they want to shove shove off their responsibilities for centuries to come. Nice to meet you. How how do we get out of uh, here? Here? How do you know you were in here without a map? Wow. You must really be a famous writer I've never heard about, JMB. Only famous writers would know that here, uh, that this is here. Wow. I am starstruck. Uh, That's Sir JMB. He wrote Peter Pan because that's what the world needed. More allegories about not wanting to grow up and do big kid stuff. I'm Peter. But not Peter Pan, just normal Peter. Mmm, you don't say. Wow, I've never heard of either of you, but welcome to here. Here is where legends are born. Well, I think I'll be a legend in my own right, and uh, from what I write... (laughs) What? (laughs) Let me try that again. (laughs) Well, I think I'll be a legend in my own right, from what I write. (laughs) See see what I did there? So clever. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I mean, sure, but books and plays are hack. You got to think big in here. You got to think internet. We're from the 1800s. We don't know what an internet is. Why am I Swedish? (laughs) Here, meow. Here can take your likeness and really make you something special. Something that means something. Something that someone on Reddit can make funny. (laughs) But this is our sad life. We aren't funny. That's the whole thing about this movie. I mean, life, it's whimsical. Not funny. Yeah, but that sucks. Uh, I'll I'll strike you a deal. I'll get you out of here and get you famous. But you gotta let me make you a... A meme. We're from the 1800s. We don't know what a meme is. Hold on, Peter. I think Betch is onto something. (laughs) Bench, what do we have to do? I'll sell out in a minute. 
I am Sir JMB, after all. <laughs> oh, you don't have to do anything. All I need is these is three pictures, and I'll make you all stars. Actually, I don't even need you here anymore. So if you just want to say, I do believe in fairies. I do. I do. <laughs> Start clapping and sit on me. I can send you back to your sad and whimsical life. That's so easy. Let's go back to our sad and whimsical life. Peter and Sir JMB sit on bench and follow their instructions. Both <laughs> bench transports them back to their sad and whimsical life. L O L. Uh, they they didn't need to do that bullshit to get back onto their sad and whimsical lives. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> now, let's get this meme up on Reddit. Thus begins a wonderful adventure. Can't wait to see who else comes through here. The end? I'm sure Lewis Carroll will make an appearance in the next movie or something. <laughs> the end. The oh, end. Nice. <laughs> we had the same tie-in at the end. Right? Yeah, yes. of course. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I love I love that both of you guys just wrote so many jokes. So many little like wordplay and Can't jokes. Help oh my it. god. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you know, you get to a point where I feel like you're you're like, okay, I can do this movie justice, but do I really care about this movie yeah, enough? Do to I do want it to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I love I love the script in particular. It was very, um, you know, surreal. It felt like watching, you know, uh, waiting for Godot or something. Yeah, that's just so odd. Well, it's I took and, the title from uh, "Where Did You Go, Red Rider," which is a play yes, that yes. Like, kind of has Mark Medoff, right? Yeah, Gato yeah. undertones to it. <laughs> uh, fun fact about Mark Medoff: nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> it's your podcast; which, they'll care if you want I, them to care. Uh, Mark he, Medoff is one of our <laughs> one of our subscribers. Yeah. Um, so he he like he won an Academy Award for for writing and stuff. Um, and he was the like head of the film department at my school. Oh shit! <laughs> and uh, we would do we were like rehearsing, uh, you know, where'd you go, Red Rider, and doing these kinds of stuff. And um, I had a, a few interactions with him. He was a really nice, helpful, cool guy. Um, but anytime I hear Mark Medoff, I don't think of, I don't know, it's just to me, he's more of like a real person. Yeah, for more sure. Than, like <laughs> other, you know, named people like famous people yeah like legit yeah. famous people yeah to me he's just like a guy that i happened to have the pleasure of knowing for <laughs> yeah. a brief time i have a lot of friends like that like one of my friends is a reoccurring character on the wire and like that's like a thing and he's like famous. you're friends with omar i'm friends with omar <laughs> uh but like people like recognize him on the street and shit and i'm just like oh that's just my friend <laughs> like this is yeah. i don't understand <laughs> yeah um, this was, this was so much fun. I, it, one thing occurred to me, um, not related to your, to your piece, uh, but as, as you we were leading into it, we were talking about the idea of a sequel to this story. It's all about Peter Pan and Peter Pan has a sequel. It's called hook and it stars, um, Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman's in this movie. What does that mean? 
That must mean something. So it's extended universe shit, right? Like, so the producer from this movie went on to become Hook because he got so hooked on all of this, like, Jay and Barry bullshit that he was like, I am too invested in this. I've put far too much money. We got to do a sequel. I'm going to be the star. And you're like, thank you, Charles Froman. That... Makes a lot of sense. Why did I write that story? (laughs) That's really interesting. I I want to throw out. um, I had to write about a bench. I had to to, yeah to build to build off of you, Jenna. uh, He sits on the bench and he like laments to bench about how he uh, he's tired of just producing plays (laughs) and like. And the action and just like making it happen, but he yeah. wants to be a part of it. So he's got to be like, a star. I want to be a real pirate. And he's like, all right, I'll make you a real pirate, but you got to be in this movie. That's how Bench works. That Bench negotiates. I put you in this situation, but I'm going to get something for you to get out of it. Bench negotiates because it's all Bench knows, you know? <laughs> I I have a strange feeling that Bench is going to come up in future <laughs> yes, episodes, yeah. future scripts. We we might see some Bench cameos. Good. You bench are- is the best. They're a sentient <laughs> Bench. What else do you I, want from I, them? I do want to say, probably the best role I've ever played in my life. <laughs> bench? <laughs> Definitely well-rounded. It has yeah. a lot of levels. Uh. <laughs> This is the gr- it's the bench, it's the top. <laughs> I also, you know, some atmosphere. Bench has a disco ball. Bench can't yep. move. <laughs> bench has a disco right, ball. Right. Bench can't dance. Squirrel can thinking, dance. I'm thinking of the the horror alternative that if you refuse bench, it'd be like, well, then you're gonna go under the bench. And then you look down and it's just like a zombie child is like, you stepped on my sleeve. <laughs> You stepped on my oh. sleeve. It all comes back to the sleeve. Oh, that's, Steve yeah. and I talk about that ad nauseum. Yeah. That stupid yeah. scene. That's, my stupid scene. that's how the trailer opens. I watched the trailer. Oh, there. That's why we all remember oh. it then. That's oh. like one of the main things you remember about this movie. You stepped on my sleeve. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone's just like, oh, look how cute and British he is. I, Not for me. I hope that the only thing I remember about this movie going forward is uh, the talking bench that is here. <laughs> yeah, you're in here. Uh, nowhere is is nice. Yeah. Um, Jenna, thank you so much for for writing that piece and sharing with us. Of course. This Thanks has been for inspiring such a fun it. time. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything uh, that you'd like to plug or, or, or pitch out to the audience? Sure. So um, go like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff um, at all the podcast places you listen to podcasts with Depth Impact. Um, and if you don't like what you hear, then please just don't write anything. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, you can find all things me on Twitter or Instagram at less than a muffin um, and jennacurzy.com. It's K-U-E-R-Z-I.com. I put most things on my website, not too much popping off right now because we are still sure. in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but if you want to check out the candle empire I'm building for my South Philly apartment, um, that's at dumpster fires for you on Instagram. And I'm you might selling change it to apartment fires, apartment fires, <laughs> hopefully never knocking on my bench. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm making hand poured, uh, soy candles. Oh, 
made of essential oils and upcycled unconventional and um, antique vessels. So you can That's check very, that out. We'll have to buy one of those. Yeah, totally. I'll, I'll give uh, it to Steve whenever he's on the East Coast again. <laughs> In 2022, I have a dumpster. <laughs> like I bought like a like a container that's a literal trash can, and oh. so like I made like a trash can candle. Uh-huh. That's so really that's funny. Fun. I yeah. love it. Yeah, that is great. So I don't uh, just obsess over Johnny Depp. You know, yeah. I have other interests like Dump candles <laughs> and bracelets. So I'm slowly turning into Johnny Depp, covered in bracelets and surrounded yeah. by candles. Yeah, candles. I can't wait for your mustache to come in. Oh. Just... <laughs> she's she's a beaut. Yeah, my walrus mustache. She's a beaut. God, you should see the cosplay that I do as him, though. Oh, and look for Johnny Depp, a retrospective on late stage capitalism coming back. Absolutely. Eventually, and hopefully we'll be in the Chicago area as soon as it's safe to travel again. Um, but yeah, my cosplay is so stupid. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. Any Johnny Depp costume is funny inherently. Oh, He's yeah. a funny person to dress up as. So funny in that way. Yeah. Especially if you have candles that are shaped like Johnny Depp in different I... characters. <gasps> so oh, I have these Winona Forever stickers that we give out at the end of every show. And we made mm-hmm. way too many of them. So I've just been putting them on like blank jars and calling them the Winona Forever candles. But really, it's just like a fucking salsa jar that I put a sticker on, you know. But yeah. Oh. Entrepreneurship. An absolute blast. Thank you again for coming on with us. Big thank you to Kira Redzenak, our resident artist who does the poster designs for all of our episodes. And we haven't seen this one yet, but uh, let's do a quick reaction as if we were watching it right now, as if we were looking at it right now. <gasps> oh my gosh, oh, wow. it's Bench. Oh my gosh. She nailed it. Yeah, and the little boy oh. underneath it. Oh, oh my gosh, wow. I hope that she gets all the ideas from us reacting. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Kira. Good job, Kira. Uh, make the poster a picture of your new dog. <laughs> yeah, please yes, do. Please. Oh my God. Um, so that is uh, it. I would love to not talk about this movie anymore. So I'm going to get going. <laughs> I uh, my 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 brother has a uh, mental disability, and I got to figure out what's eating me. I well, see, I see what well, you've done. While you, while you figure that out, I got to run. Uh, you know, I'm just hanging out in my in my bed, listening to some tunes, and oh my god, there's blood sucking me into the bed, and now it's exploding <laughs> all over the ceiling. What a debut for me! <laughs> oh my god, you know it is 1984, isn't it, Steve? So, uh, but but for me, it's actually it's it's 1996, and I gotta go because like I'm like. I'm the astronaut's wife, um, and there's an alien that's overtaken my husband, and so I have to, like, you know, deal with that. Mm-hmm. I'm Charlize <laughs> Theron, <laughs> so I gotta go. Jeez, it just always comes back to the thing. Always comes back. <laughs>